Yo, welcome to another episode of Shooting Shit with the Pros. Got a special guest here today, Jabari Shaw. What's happening? What's happening? What's Gucci, bro? How you feeling? Feeling good, man. Glad feeling to join up on the pod. You feel me? Hey, glad to have you here, man. Alex, how you feeling? Yo, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I'm glad to be in the presence of the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> the Jabari Choke. Shaw. Choking. Damn, chill, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Jabari, tell us a little bit about what you do, bro. Yeah, so I'm an intellectual property attorney. I work at a law firm called Bory Sater, Seymour and Pease. Um, my practice focuses on brand protection and uh, online marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, Walmart.com. So, you know, very unique practice area, brand new, something that our firm has developed, and it's, it's just great. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Big shout out to you. Thank you. Black lawyers out there, yo. We need more of them. We definitely need Facts. more. Facts. Definitely need more. Love that, man. Love that. So, today, we're going to get into what is a workday? How long is a workday? Too long. Facts. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into it, bro, you got you to gotta call that shit out, man. Starting out with the OG, Ice Cube. Man, this is... Cube. This is tough. This is tough. Cube, um... Met with the Trump administration and partnered with them to create this list, quote unquote, um, of different things demanding for the black community. Uh, some of that stuff included job creation, putting money into black communities. There's a lot of fluff. Mm. I'll be honest. I read it mm. um, and was not impressed one bit. And I know Cube tried to defend his actions by saying, you know, I didn't endorse anyone and we still need to fight for our rights no matter who's running the country. And while I do agree with that, you also got to be able to read the situation, right? Most definitely. Um, you know, it just comes off really performative. Even if Cube's intent wasn't for it to be performative and he was hoping for some type of action, I mean, we've seen what our leader um, currently has been doing. Um, really, he's been adding to the plight of people of color and just different uh, minorities. So for Ice Cube to think that anything would change just because he came to the table... You know, it kind of bewilders me. I thought Cube was a much smarter person than that. He's been someone that's been very vocal about the black struggle. I mean, dating back to his days in NWA. Yeah, even most recently on Twitter. I mean, he's gone on plenty of rants. Yeah. Uh, calling a lot of things out. So super surprising. Super surprising. Disappointing. Disappointing, Disappointing for sure. Definitely. Because, like, Cube is an OG, bro. He been about it since way back in the day. But my whole thing is like, yo, you got to think about what the other side's perspective of it is. Yeah. Why did they want to bring Ice Cube on as an advisor? Yeah. Timing is key. I mean, yeah. In the midst of an election, it's hard to say it's not performative. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, yo, stop always going in thinking good intentions, Cube. Like, you may have had good intentions, but they damn sure didn't. They literally had this planned out before they touched base with you, bro. It was either Ice Cube or Nick Cannon. Bro. <laughs> I'm not Definitely not Nick Cannon. <laughs> After what he's nah, it wasn't Nick Cannon. It was like, who was it? Was it Ice Cube or Dre? <laughs> they weren't going to bring back Kanye? No, they weren't going to. They tried to work with Kanye, bro. Oh. Then Kanye said he wanted to run for president himself. Yeah, I actually saw something online today that was like Kanye talking about, hey, Kentucky, I got 19% in Kentucky. Yeah, which is weird because I don't I don't think they count votes yet. So I was really confused by that. Hey. Count yeah, whatever. For Kanye West. Stop, stop <laughs> voting for Ye if you did. Disgusting. Back to the cute thing, bro. Like, you got to think both sides of the coin. Yeah, you had good intentions, but they obviously didn't. As soon as you did this advising that you did, they came out and said, yo, Ice Cube, thanks for working with us. Right, man. And they said some really corny-ish. Like, what'd they say? I forgot, but it was, like, super corny. It was, like, always holding it down or some shit. It was just, like, really... Pandering? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely pandering. And then Ice Cube had to come out and be like, yo, 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 it's not what it looks like. But it is what it looks like, Cube. Definitely. And it's like, I, I don't think he wants to realize... That he was made to be a fool. Yeah. Yeah, that's what sucks about it. Yeah. It's tough because especially when you think you're an educated and you are an educated person and someone that's advocated for so many things for your people. Yeah. For it to come to this point, mm, that's tough. That's tough. 
Yeah, man. We all make mistakes, bro. And I bet you in a few years, Q's going to look back on this and be like, yo, now it's my bad. My time. <laughs> yeah. You got to read the room, Q. Now it's not the time, <laughs> bro, to be advising the Trump administration when we have the opportunity to get them out. Yep. Because that also can lean people into wanting to vote for Trump, right? That could Absolutely. sway their opinion. Um, and it also can, in some ways, make it seem as if he does think Trump is going to win again. I know he said, you know, I reached out to the Democrats and the Republicans. The Republicans got back to me first. So I was like, bet, let's do it. We can't wait for this any longer. Mm. But like you guys mentioned, we're in the middle of an election season, right? So, you know, working with Trump, if he loses, then what progress have you done? Then you really look bad. You really, really look bad because not only were you out there to be made a fool, I feel like, by Republicans, like it looked like you were pandering. And to them, they were pandering to you. Like, because we've seen four years or almost four years, right? Nothing's changed. Nothing's been better. It's actually, I feel, in a lot of cases, been worsened yeah. uh, for black people and people of color and just other marginalized people. And so for you to wait in the midnight hour of his current term to do this, I don't, I'm just bewildered. It really, it, it shocked me. It shocked me for real. Yeah, man. Bad decisions. Just bad decisions. Whoever your people are, Q, man, check, check them, bro. Because your people messed up too. It wasn't just you. It was the, it was your boys who said, yo, it's a good idea, Q. Not a good one, bro. Nah. Moving on. You got to be shitting me. The NFL. Yo, anybody even peeping the NFL? Like, has anybody seen this foolishness? Or are we just blinded by Sunday night football? I actually think it is somewhat blinded by Sunday night football. But we don't know how much longer that's going to last. Because... Exactly. <laughs> doesn't seem like there's an actual plan in place. Nah. So. Whatever the plan was, they just sticking to <laughs> the original <laughs> plan. Like, they're, they're not navigating this well at all. I don't know how many games are now, have now been rescheduled. I, it was some obscene number last I think time it was I heard. Eight, eight was the last number I heard. That's insane, bro. That's crazy. And that's one fourth only- of the way through the season. And that was eight games rescheduled with only two teams, what, two, three teams testing positive for COVID. You had to schedule eight Patriots. games. And it was just them? The Titans, the Patriots, who else? Did the Broncos game? No, they were on a bye. I think just, the, yeah, just those two teams. You mm. had to reschedule eight games. That's, that's insane. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I think it's, here's what's really messed up about it is depending on when you play a team in the course of the season, that makes a difference. It yeah. does. So yeah. me playing you in week two when both teams are one and one or one and oh is way different than eight games in. Yeah. It, it might matter. There may be some playoff implications there. Right. So yeah. it should have had a better plan lined up. Cause now like not only is the not only is, it's fucked up for the players, but for the fans as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I like to bet a couple bits on some games and now all of that changes. It's all, all yeah, of that changes yeah. when you start switching around the schedule. It's, it's stupid, man. And you know what's interesting? I heard today on ESPN, Steve Naismith said that it was the players' ideas not to bubble. So, like, they weren't going to have all the teams in the same place, but the players themselves were going to be in a bubble mm. all the time. And the Players Association came out and said, nah, we don't want to do the bubble. So, it's the NFL as a whole. There's responsibility for the players here as well. And that's why I think you don't have a you see you don't see a lot of players coming out and saying like, nah, like this is messed up, because they're participating in it. They yeah. participate in the, the decision making, and it's like you gotta be shitting me, bro. <laughs> like, fam, it's a whole pandemic, and y'all was just like, nah, we gonna play and spend time with our families and be out and about, and who cares? Yeah, I mean, they're they're traveling. They're going to get people are in stadiums. Yeah, butts yeah. are in seats. Yeah. So it, at a smaller it, capacity, yeah, but they still there. It's still thousands it of people. More than the players. It's getting to like there's gotta be some numbers that are can be related. Oh yeah. To fans in the stadium. I mean it's interesting though, because like you look at it from a business perspective and they must have been asking themselves, how do we survive this? Because yeah. we cannot take a whole year off. Mm-hmm. How do we survive this? And this is obviously the best plan that they came up with. My question is, who's in the room when you guys are making these, dis- when you guys are brainstorming ideas? Yeah. Because if this is the best you could come up with at week four, 
eight games have already been canceled and rescheduled, then the decision making is it's just got to be better, bro. And it's the whole thing with the NFL. The people in the room has got to change, bro. <laughs> because it's not the is it's it's not the most qualified people that are in the room. Hey, it's the league of buyer's remorse, man. Mm. I mean, look at what they look at what they did with Kaepernick. All yeah. of a sudden, they come out now. Oh, we wish we would have made better decisions back then. Yeah. Well, I don't doubt it that by the end of the season they'll say the same thing. We should have probably bubbled. Yeah. We should have. We should have had a backup plan. A plan B. A plan C. It's right. it's bad though. Like it's free falling at this point. I wonder if they're gonna can't like postpone the season. I heard something that was saying that they weren't testing players before games. Yeah. And that's just that. insane. They weren't testing players the day of. Yo, that's crazy. <laughs> so it's just like, uh, how, yo. do we know how often the players were getting tested? I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not sure, but it's just a terrible look, man. And we're not gonna sweep it under the rug because this is a result of poor decision making, and these players are getting sick. It's, <laughs> it's not like, oh, they got COVID, they'll be all right. Like, we still don't know the long lasting effects of this. This um sickness, this illness, like I saw something that said, or was it one of the debates? They were like, "Yo, people with COVID may have like a long term disability because of this." Like, yeah, I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, but it was something along those lines of they may, yeah, there's just gonna be lasting yeah, it effects. It could be collateral effects, to, exactly. You know, yeah, contracting COVID. Yeah, and we just don't know. This is yeah, ground zero. This is you know year one. Right. It's nasty. Which is crazy. It's nasty, bro. That being said, real quick, yeah, take it serious. Please. <laughs> you know, social distance, wear a mask, stay clean out there. Yeah. Especially now, because cases are rising. And it's flu season. It too. is flu. Yep. That's what I was just about to say. Y'all be safe. Come on, man. Don't do as the NFL does. I think we learned that lesson a long time ago, though. No shots at no uh no shade at the NFL. I mean, you guys just gotta do better, bruh. <laughs> like I love y'all, but y'all just gotta do better. So let's get into the topic, man. Let's get into the topic. Work, the work day. Like, especially now that a lot of people are working from home. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell is a work day for real? Like, Jabari, how long do you work a day? How long would you say your work day is? Uh, it just depends. I mean, as of late, 10 to 12 hours a day. Monday through Sunday. So we're saying 50 to like 70 mm-hmm. hours a week. I think that's typical of lawyers at mm. bigger law firms. I gotcha. think it's it's normal, but really COVID has changed it up because you're just at home. At least my firm is remote. Yeah, That commute, I never realized how important it was to just my own mind. Sanity. My sanity, my my relaxation, my separation. Decompress. Yeah. Without that, that without that commute now, I roll out of bed, start working, roll back into bed, get some rest, and repeat. So yeah. Alex, your work day, how long is it? Yeah, so thankfully my work day is definitely not as long as Jabari's. <laughs> Um, yeah, shout out to you, man, putting in 10, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, for me, usually eight to 10 is yeah. what I'm doing, uh, five days a week for sure. Put the cap on it. Um, but I have definitely had a few 12 hour days, mm-hmm. um, with our new team structure. We're working more with the team on the West coast. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, but now you know how that is. Yeah. Um, so just different work hours and trying to adjust to that. How about you, man? How, how are you holding up? I know. I mean, dog, no, no, I'm pretty like stern with mine. Usually I don't go past eight hours a day. I try not to. If I have to, like I will, but I make sure it's a rarity because I understand like my mental state when I do work too long. I'm in the dark place. Bro. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're not yourself. Yo, bro. I'm not myself. Yeah. I'm mean. My wife hates me. It's just bad, <laughs> bro. <laughs> like so it's like you need that cutoff. That's absolutely, I feel that. Bro. I'm definitely. Just... So wait, Jabari, you say you work like ten to twelve hours a day. Do you yeah. work those hours straight? No, 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 no. Okay, no. that's typically not straight because there's times in the day that I'm more productive and I, mm. I know that. So I'm an early riser. I probably get up at six. Mm. Um, 
<laughs> now that I'm working from home, it's you wake up at six, you can start working by six thirty. Yeah. By noon, you've got a lot of hours billed. So, as a lawyer, it's all about the billable hour. Gotcha. So when a client hires us, basically they pay you on the hourly rate, and yeah. you've got to knock out a bunch of billables to you know remain valuable to your firm. Got you. But okay. it, it's counterproductive for me to work, I would say, more than six hours straight. Really? Um, there's not many tasks that should be taking that long. And if they are, you have to recognize that potentially you're missing something because yeah. you're not mm-hmm. as sharp as you were right. hour one, hour two. Yeah. So the good thing about working from home is you got opportunities to break up the work day, yeah. go take a walk, you know. But if you were in the office, would you still say that six hour? Uh, I time think, period? I think when I'm in the office, the workday is different. You break it up by going into people's offices and having a conversation mm-hmm. about right. a case you're working on or an issue. Whereas, you know, when you're at home, I would say it's a little bit more difficult to access those people. So, which would you say is more productive? Office, home. Are you more for me? I've been more productive at home. Interesting. And it's just because I always have access to like just working right away. If I have an idea or if I know that I've got a two hour span that I can knock something out, I'm just jumping into it and doing it then. And then when I'm done with that, I'm like, okay, perfect. One more thing off the list. Yeah. But I mean, in the office, there's room for a lot of distractions because yeah. people as much as I go into other people's office, people come into my office as well and want yeah. to ask a question. Right. So, you know, there's there's give and take to that. But they've run some stats and they were saying that our firm is we've we're down in production about uh, average ten percent or so. Mm. But it's not terrible. It's not good, but it's not terrible. But, you know, that's that's from a legal perspective, that's pretty decent. I mean, we're gotcha. still we're still we're still surviving in a time that's very difficult for many firms. So, I I hear that. So, with that, you you're working from home. You're working in like six hour blocks, like you said, mm-hmm. or you don't work more than six hours. Would you say that within that time period, like moving forward, that's a model that you would follow? Mm. Nah, I like the I like the personal aspect of my job. So, you know, I'm around some brilliant attorneys and being able to just go into their office or just hang around to soak up that knowledge. Yeah. It's so important to my development that I miss that because of COVID and being at home. I mean, you can you can jump on a Zoom call. It's just not the same. It's Um, not. But what I would say is it's still valuable, bro. Like, that's the thing. A lot of people are using the state that we're in and saying, well, how do I network with people? I can't. Yeah. Like, I can't network. You adapt. No, you can still network. Reach. It's now more than ever is the time to reach out to somebody via email and be like, yo, I just want to, you know, spend 15 minutes just chopping it up, learn more about what you do. I haven't seen you in six months and I would usually see you every day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, now is the time to network. What I would say is, as it pertains to like, the work day, working eight hours straight is ridiculous. <laughs> like it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. How how many times have you ever seen an athlete go to practice for eight hours straight? Nah, they'll do what two hours in the morning weights. They'll come back, do a mm-hmm. little session in the afternoon, maybe do a night session. There's six hours right there. Right, right. We should approach the workplace the same way. Yeah, I do. You should. Like now, well, now that I'm working from home, I do. Yeah. So tell me about it. How do you do it? Yeah. So uh, to Barry's point, I do wake up early, early riser. So I might get some work done early. Like if there's some small tasks, yeah. knock those out first, right? Yeah. And then do some things in the morning, like maybe make breakfast, shower, do whatever, right? Yeah. And then from there, I start getting into my day a little bit. Um. I won't tell you exactly how I break up my day or what I do <laughs> to break up my day. Just in case, but I definitely take those. I work in probably like, um, when you mentioned like athletes practicing, like it's probably two, three hour increments at a time. Mm -hmm. And then I take a break and like, but that break might even just be lunch. Um, I do that or like, maybe I might 
take like a 20 minute break and watch something or just, I don't know, turn everything off and chill. Is your manager cool with that though? They don't know? <laughs> My <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> See, do. but that's the thing, bro. You're telling me right now you're more productive doing that. Yeah. But if yeah. you told your manager that, they'd probably be like, no, Alex, I need you to be here nine to five. I need you to work the hours that exactly. I work. Like and it's to- like, nah, bro. Those days are done. It's just not productive. The data shows it. Me looking at a freaking screen for nine hours straight is psychotic, bruh. Who wants to spend their life like that? I do think there are people that work, that thrive in that model, though. Um, it's just not, I don't think what it's do the majority What do we call thriving, though? I mean, somebody could be doing just as quality work as me and knock it out eight hours straight. That's just right. how they operate. That's how right. they function. But is that mean? best? It might be best for them. Exactly. I How do we know that though? That's like, that's, that's on the individual saying. though. Maybe they've adapted to maybe they've adapted to operating like that, yeah, and they can yeah. do that at a high level. But I don't think they're truly reaching their full potential doing that. You can't tell me you are. You cannot tell me. Nah, I worked eight hours straight, and that's better than me having a couple breaks, a couple hour breaks in between. You cannot tell me you are more effective working eight hours straight. Couldn't be me. Nah. I got to see it to believe it, bro. Yeah. I think the thing is, like, maybe if they were to break it up in a format that made sense for their life, they may be more productive, but they could also be one of those people where it's like, if I stop doing something, I'm not coming back to it. I know for me, mm. sometimes I have mm. an issue with getting yeah, started with yeah. things. Once I get into it, like, I'm in it. I can do something for like, I can do certain things for like hours upon hours once I start it, but like starting yeah. it. And if I stop it, it's like, all right, I'm on to the next thing. I feel that. So maybe that's certain things like that. I'm, I'm like that too. Exactly. So for them in that aspect, it might be best for them with in terms of their motivation. I feel that, and I can see that. But how many projects are you working out for six hours straight? Man, you'd be surprised. <laughs> you'd be surprised. And that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I think we should. I I I don't think it's a problem to have the conversation of reimagining what the work day is. Oh, I agree with that. Because mm-hmm. like this, I mean, we all know we were in the office and we had lunch and we came back after lunch and it was what? one thirty, two o'clock. Fam, you are not doing shit for the rest of the day. You might do some shit like a little bit, but once you're on that last hour before you go home, you're you're, you're on the countdown now. You're not about to do your best work. Yeah. I think self-aware employees or self-aware professionals, I would say, recognize that though. Mm. Because I know that when I was in the office, if there's two hours left in the day, the last thing I'm doing is starting something new. Right, right. That may be my time where I go through my emails and you know clean up my inbox so that I don't come back tomorrow with 200 emails unanswered. Mm. But it, like I said, it's always about like how that individual works, especially in the legal profession. It's like you got so many type A people yeah. that they view this as like, these are the tasks I got to get done. Here's how much time I got to get done it, done in. And this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, people with type B is just like, I'm more relaxed with it. For me, I work in a type A dominated field, mm. but I'm way closer to type B than type A. Really? It's like, I'm, I'm relaxed with it. But I do understand that there's deadlines that have to be met. Absolutely, yeah. You can't get caught slipping on the job. Absolutely. You have to, you got to do the work. I mean, you're talking about how long is a work day. When you're a less experienced professional, I would say those are the times where you are figuring out. What works best for where, you. Where do I fit in here? How do I, how do I get the best me at my job? As opposed to being like, hey. Nine to five is what they gave me. I think those are the people who stay in the job realm. People mm. that are looking into the career realm now. Mm. They're like, how can I be most efficient in this block of time? And if you're allotted, because you know, some places they don't allow you to, you know, tap in for overtime. Yeah. They don't, and and they really don't want you to do that. But I think it's really about the individual, the worker, how they view what they're doing, are they viewing it as a job or are they viewing it as a career? Yeah. I tend to believe that the people that are like, oh, this is my career. I'm 
dedicated, I'm devoted to it. They're going to put some more hours in to get the knowledge they need to progress. And I don't know if you can quantify that in an eight-hour block or a two-hour block here and there. But it's always just about the person, man. I see some people work some crazy hours, and I'm like, yo, were you productive? Well, food's ready. That's what that means? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nah, I feel you. Go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, you brought up an interesting point. You mentioned work or a job versus a career. Mm -hmm. To me, it almost sounds like, are you saying passion versus a task, right? Because you said people that are like, that they're into their career, um, they tend to have that drive and passion and want to just like learn more, do a little bit more above and beyond versus um, a job you may not have that. But I do know some people that are in their careers and currently, like at one point they did have that, but then they've kind of lost it for whatever reason, that mm-hmm. spark. But like, I guess technically they're still in a career, but they've lost that fire or that Burnout. Passion. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's real Burnout's too. real, man. Facts. Especially you've seen it way more during COVID. Yeah. Oh yeah. People are reaching burnout probably two, three years before they would normally. Yes, because they're working at eight. nine Facts. and stopping working at 9 p.m. Like they don't have any kind of structure. Like they, it's, oh snap, this person sent me an email. I got to respond now. It's not like that. You got to... And here's the thing. Like, this is why I think communication is so important. It's it's very easy to, to set those boundaries off rip. And if they don't accept those boundaries, then they don't accept it. But you have to do your job at sending them. If it's, yo, after 5 o'clock, I don't email again until 9 p.m. I check my email at night real quick, and then I'm going to bed. But after 5, don't expect a response from me. And if it really is that important, hit up my personal phone. Like if that communication is had in advance, you'd be surprised at how quickly you don't burn out. Because burnout happens because, ah, duh, snap, I'm done with work. Let me go watch TV. Watching TV. Boop, boop, boop. Mad stuff coming in. Ah, shit. Let me open up my laptop again. Here you are working again. You're on a salary. You're not getting paid hourly for this. So you're dedicating your time. You get to choose your own schedule, per se. Like, yeah. you got to work when everybody else is working. But outside of work, you decide that based off of what's going on. Here you are opening up your laptop, reintroducing this life to you that you've already closed for the day. Yeah, That's time that you wouldn't usually work. You're going to burn out quickly. Yeah, man. Some people just can't separate the two. Yeah. Separation. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the big thing is... There are times I was in I was in a uh, resilience training mm. and they were talking about how you shouldn't have a TV in your bedroom mm. because if you expect to get that sleep that you need that light like they've done the studies the light yeah. that's coming from the TV the light that's on your phone the is blue going light. to it's going to wake you up so I, I find that interesting is the separation and I I, I struggle with that it's mm. like I've got some clients that are on the West Coast that's difficult. Uh, you know, I'm wrapping it up, eating my dinner, and the next thing I know, that's when I've got a few clients popping in, and they're they're it's getting to the heights of their day. Yeah, right. So, what do you do? Do you save that for tomorrow? Do you? And it's a balance game at that point. You figure out, prioritize who needs to be answered right away, size of the client, size of the task, and you hope for the best. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. just what it boils down to. I feel that it's uh it's funny you mentioned like working with someone on a different time zone. Mm. I remember my first job out of school, we worked with a manufacturer in China to produce mm-hmm. our products. Dude, my manager would be answering them like I swear I've seen replies at like two or three in the morning. Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy. The thing is though, they didn't have that expect they that wasn't their expectation of themselves. When they shut it down, I was gonna get a response from them. If I send them an email, I don't expect to get a response at all yeah. that day. So it's like Interesting, you talk about setting that expectation and then also having that separation. Like, I couldn't imagine feeling the need to respond to anybody's email at like two or three in the morning. Yeah. Exactly. And it depends on what, like, if you're like running shit <laughs> and it, yeah. it requires you to be on all the time, then that's just a part of it, right? Right. right. But right. if you're not and your boss is running shit, but you're not running shit and they have the expectation of when I'm on, you're on, fam. I don't know about you, but that's not the kind of person that I want to work for. 
because it, it's, it's about getting the work done effectively at the highest productivity level. Right. And it, that doesn't necessarily mean when I'm on, you're on. Because if when you're on, I'm, I, I'm at a place of low energy, you're not getting the best work from me. So if you're killing shit at 10 p.m. at night, and I'm, I need that time to get sleep, so I'm killing shit at 9 a.m. in the morning, we need to figure that out. Yeah, that's definitely down to communication between you know you and your employer, yeah. your, your direct managers. You want them to know you, yeah. not just the work you, but you got to express to them, hey, I've got, I've got a wife, I've got a son. Yeah, I want to be a part of their lives, and this is this work is taxing. Yeah, and oh yeah, I do have to sleep. If you're a night owl and I'm a early bird. If we don't communicate that, that's where we fail. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the slightest bit of communication is gonna one is gonna do best for the organization, but two, it'll it'll make that balance better. Yeah. I know what you expect, you know what I expect. I know if I get an email from you this late, you know I might not respond to that. Yes. And when you start the the I think the issue, and I've fallen victim to this with a couple of clients, and once the clients get a hold of it, it's a wrap. You respond late, so they always expect that. That's and then, what their expectation Then you're in the rotation. Exactly. It creates a so, continuum. Yeah. So once you're in that rotation, you kind of got to live with it. But obviously, different professions have yeah. different requirements. Yeah. Because it's like, I you can, you can go to any lawyer. They're going to be like, the schedule. Right, right. When it comes, it comes in. And that's when it gets done. And you hope that you're busy because you know at some time, you're going to have downtime. Yeah. So that's how that's at least how I approach it. It's like I know at some point in time I'm gonna have some downtime. And that's when yeah. I get my leisurely things in and you take advantage of that. But when you're busy and you can't be like, oh man, I think that is a huge source of burnout for lawyers, especially. It's like yeah. you work and work and work and you're like, Oh, there's no end to this, no end to this. If your perspective is right, you'll know, hey, there's gonna be a time when I don't mm. got nothing to do and everything's silent. That kind of stuff will make you go mad, like, oh crap, I don't have enough billables this month because mm-hmm. of use that time. Interesting. Use that time. So as a lawyer, do you ever work on like a team or is it just like you working with the client? No, my, my whole practice group is super collaborative. Okay. I don't do litigation. If something gets to litigation, it goes to the member on my team that deals with litigation. I don't do the policy work. There's a member on our team that does policy and deals with the client. So the client's getting a number of attorneys that they work with. Gotcha. And that's also a difficulty. That's where communication comes in. You may have been working with so-and-so during the policy stage, and they respond in this fashion. You start working with me. I've got a weekly cadence. I talk to you every Tuesday. Right. And it's all about communication, obviously. Hey, nice to meet you. Here's the expectation. Let me know whatever you need. And depending on, I mean, you start evaluating how big is this client? How important yeah. is that client? Because if they're a huge client, you already know. All day, every day, 24-7, no question. Yeah. If you want to keep them. <laughs> yeah. Right. But. No, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, I think I think my, like, where I'm at is, like, when it's within the team. Like, when it's within the team and there's no chemistry there. Mm. Like, think of it like you're playing on a team. Like, we, we yeah. all play team sports. Play soccer. You play basketball. When you're. When you have synergy with the teammate, there's a lot of shit that doesn't have to be said when y'all are on point. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. oh, I got the ball, he's making the run. Or I made the run, he's making the pass. Y'all click. Right. I don't yeah. need but to how respond do you get to this right? I know Benai is going to respond. Exactly. Right. Right. Sometimes, in sports, a lot of times you get there by practice. You don't really got to say it all the mm-hmm. time. You're like, okay, we feel each other's game. Hello. <laughs> I, there's a lot of stuff that's applicable to sports in the workplace. But it's there's also not like the reality is you gotta talk about shit like this in the work. It's not like oh I'm just gonna feel the vibe and nah nah nah. Communication is key. Use that verbal communication because, like I said early, man. Like <laughs> if I'm working at six and you're off and I'm hitting you up like hey I need this and you're spending time with your daughter or something like. Yo, 
that's never going to work out. There's always going to be a barrier for us reaching our potential. Yeah, that, that could be a source of resentment too. Like next time I see you, man, you was blowing up my phone. Exactly. And, or you didn't you know, respond when I needed yeah, you. It may not have been that important. Like, right. Now that's serious. And it's, I, it's like, here's the thing. Like it's something that I do to, I, I communicate to my team like, yo, after a certain time, like, just don't expect a response from me because I'm not even going to have my work phone. So if you need me, like hit up my personal phone. Here's my personal number. Only use it in case of emergency. But I don't say the same thing to my clients. So like if somebody from marketing hit me up at seven, it's like, hell no. <laughs> but that's the corporate expectation. Like don't expect somebody to respond to you after that nine to five, nine to six block. And I'm sure that goes down to the company. It's like how the company, co- companies corporate are, culture yeah, is. that culture yeah. that's in is man, I could only imagine. I, and I, I actually do see that with some of my clients. You recognize who's on all the time, who's really engaged, and who's like, ah, this is just my job, and I need you to do this at this time, and there's no worry about it. It's it's odd to see but that, that dynamic. That doesn't have shit. to be a lack of engagement though, to say like, yo, I do this at this time, like. That could be, that could be true engagement, like I'm so engaged that I understand when I'm working at my highest. Well, not if I don't ever see that you working at your highest. That's what yeah. I mean. So that's not for you to say. <laughs> no, I mean, I, there's a lot of visibility into. I feel that. Yeah. Like when we work with a client, you are you are in with them, mm. so you are hand in hand, and. You're not there to do their job. You're there to give them advice. Gotcha. And it's uh, up gotcha. to them to take it yeah. or not. And yeah. there's plenty of times when people don't take your advice. Like that's yeah. that's part of being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. People are going to tell you, mm, "Thanks for the advice. Yeah. <laughs> Just go about but, yeah, their day." Needed that legal advice. So, but we'll take the risk. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's that's what I mean. Is like it's I tremendous to see the difference between similar. I'd say similar brands or similar clients. That corporate culture is just way different. Got you. Over got this. You. Like they want to know every letter you're sending, every person you're contacting. They're like, we trust you guys. Yeah. So do you I have, feel that? Do you have a preferred style of work or type of client between those two? Nah, I think I I like them all because you learn skills from each Fair that man. you can take uh and you know try to use with others. And I think it's Especially at my stage, the stage I'm at in my career, it's like you want to learn as much as you can. And I was actually talking with a partner about this. Like right now, I'm such a blank canvas Mm. and I'm trying to pull different styles and skills and characteristics that are going to make me a better attorney. So not necessarily right right now, I don't have a preference of what uh, space or what type of brand it is that I work with. I like to work with a variety just because I know I don't have that diversity of experience that, you know, a more experienced attorney with 10 years or 15 years under their belt has. So I got to soak that up by, you know, not being picky right now. Like you can be picky when you're, when you up there making it, but right. right now it's like, let me just you're enjoy. You're on that rookie contract. Yeah, yeah. rookie contract trying to figure yourself. Exactly. You're trying to fall out, so exactly what you gotta re-up. Cool. Exactly, right. get that max deal. I feel it. <laughs> no, that's really dope. It sounds like though that you found your passion within the oh, space yeah. that you're working oh, in yeah. because it just uh, goes back to what you mentioned earlier in terms of career versus job or passion mm-hmm. versus task. Um, like the fact that you said you want to work with as many brands as possible because you want yeah. to diversify yourself. And it sounds like you want to be the best attorney possible. Which oh, of is, course. Of course. I mean, cool. that's amazing. So A lot of my friends I went to school with, shout out to y'all listening right now. <laughs> like, law school is difficult and coming out is scary. You got a lot of student loan debt potentially and people are looking at you to get a big time job and pay for a lot of stuff. Yeah, And that sometimes forces people into positions and roles that they may not ever be passionate in. And some of my closest yeah. friends, they're just not, I can tell they're not passionate in their job. Yeah. And when you're putting in this many hours, the worst thing you can do is not enjoy it. Exactly. Like you're putting in so much time. Yeah. Man, especially like you said, in the law field. like Yeah. It's like, I don't really yeah. feel like, I don't feel like I work that much until I look at my timer at the end of the day and I'm like, holy art, word. Yeah. Got nine and a half hours bill, word. Like, but... In reality, it's like if I hated my job, that nine hours 
would feel like 24 hours every day. Well, it is 24 hours every day when you hate your job because it then Facts. begins to affect every everything aspect you of your do. Life. Right? Yeah, no, no, like, no, totally work, agree. People, that's the thing. That's the thing about work life balance, bro. Mm. Like, it truly is a balance. Yeah. Because yeah. when that shit's off, Fam, your whole life is off. Yeah, of course. Like I said, yo, when I have bad days and I work too long for what like I can really be my best self, mm. it affects how I treat my wife, how we communicate, yeah. how I communicate with my family. Like me and my just mental state is off, bro. Like yeah. I'm angry. It's just not good. And that that snowballing into an everyday thing, yeah. <laughs> bruh. That work-life balance point is key, man. I mean, when I think about work-life balance, I think about like where your priorities at, especially yeah. because you're putting in all this time, a lot of time into the job, but what about the things that are behind the job? Yes. So what about your wife? What about your child? What about your family? How, how are you going to balance that? And yeah. really, it's like, it's just a game of balancing your priorities. Yeah, What's absolutely. most important to you? Absolutely. My wife is going to look at me and say, your work-life balance is terrible. It's not. Is it though? Yeah. It's not. You're passionate about what you do. Right. That doesn't for mean me, it's bad. That for, means it's for good. For her, she's like, oh man, I wish we could go to more dinners or we could do this. And in reality, I look at it as more so, hey, I'm in a phase right now. Exactly. Right now, I'm at a portion of time where I'm putting in a crap ton of hours to get the results out of a goal I set. Absolutely. Now, yeah. when I achieve that goal, she knows this and she'll say this, then you're just going to pick something else to do. Of course. But once I achieve that goal, hopefully the outcome of that is, hey, now I'm in a little bit of a plateau period. Yeah. That's when you get, that's when you get your, your, your fun in you. Right now, I'm to the point where I schedule fun. Like if I know like, hey, we want to take Owen out to a little, Field and play soccer, you block that in your calendar. Then you're forced to do it. Right. That's no your excuse. phase, though. That's the phase you're yeah. in, right? Right. And that's perfectly fine, bro. Right. A lot of people need to understand that you're at different phases at every point in your you're life. In your in, at every point in your career. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it may be, hey, I really need to focus on this role right mm -hmm. now because I'm thinking big picture and I understand right. what this means for my career. And that means I dedicate a lot of my time to my work. Right. But just as important as it is to communicate it to like, you know, your coworkers, your times and yeah. whatnot, it is just as important to communicate to your loved ones. Facts. Yo, right now, with this new job I'm taking on, I'm gonna be working a lot. Right. So I want you to understand this is why. Right. And we're still gonna schedule, like you said, we can schedule a fun time, mm -hmm. but this is how it's gonna have to work. Right. Yeah. It's right. all a like that's why I hate when people say, What's work life balance? There's no work life balance. No. No work, I was like, yo, no two work life balances are the same. They're like snowflakes. Yeah, right. Like everybody's gonna be different, mm -hmm. yeah. but there is a balance. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's scale is different. Mm -hmm. You know. What works for me does not and would not work for a lot of other people. Yeah. I mean, some of my coworkers will be like, dude, you got a kid. I don't know how you do it. Then I look to another coworker who has four kids, and I'm like, Phew. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. But they all we're all happy right now. Everybody's doing good. Everybody's enjoying their time. There there's balance there. You can see that amongst my coworkers there is some cohesion there. Yeah. There's that balance there and shout out to Voris for making that possible because <laughs> some of my friends, I tell you, it's tough to have conversations with people that you went to school with and they're just like, "Man, this shit sucks." Yeah. This is not what I signed up for. And you don't want to talk because you like, well, I'm actually enjoying my job because I'm learning stuff. And, you know, I didn't just go into litigation because they said you should litigate. Like, right. sometimes you got to hold out for hope and, you know, make your way. Yeah. Because that's, that's a part of the balance in and of itself is like, you're going to throw off your equilibrium by taking a job in an area that don't fit you or taking on, taking on a tax, taking on too much work at work. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now you, you fucked your own shit up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely, bro. Final thoughts. Start off with the... Nah, we'll save the guests for last. <laughs> Alex, start it off. Man. Um, find your passion. Definitely. I, I've been harping on that one a lot. Um, I definitely think if you're able to find your passion, 
a lot easier said than done. But if you're fortunate enough to do it, it'll just make your career or whatever you're doing in life just so much better. Because uh, like what Naya said, if you do have a terrible job or anything like that, you know, it'll just affect the rest of your life and everything outside of that job. So if you can find something you're passionate, they say you never work a day in your life. So look for that passion. Word. I like that. I'll piggyback off that. I think I think once you find that passion, like understand the fact that <laughs> you if you don't properly communicate the your expectations for your coworkers and yourself, if you don't properly communicate that, then what you think is or what is your passion, you may lose some love for that. Mm. Or you may lose yourself in that passion and say, Wow. I thought I loved this, but I'm not enjoying it. No, you do love it. You're just not taking the steps to assure that you're being, you're able to be your best self. And I think that's a huge aspect when we think of productivity in the workplace. When we think of like at the end of performance, I would say, when we think of performance, it's like, nah, why is this person not performing? Because Maybe they have all the talent to, but they're not. What's the missing piece? It's not that they're just not talented. Are we creating an environment for them to to excel? Uh, and like workplaces need to think about that as well. Like, why is our culture this way where we have talented people come in and they can't excel and then they end up leaving because we don't allow them to have that flexibility? Uh, just, just a thought. Just a thought. Just yeah. to get you thinking. Jabari? I think my takeaway would be, you know, take ownership of work-life balance for yourself. Don't let your circumstance or your position or your role in a corporation, you know, force you into something that will unbalance you. Mm. Take ownership of your role, your responsibility, and your and your and your career path. It's key to focus on leveraging your way into a position that allows you to express your passion on a daily. Once you do that, the the work-life balance will take care of itself. The work will take care of itself. The family will take care of itself. Um, So, yeah, just take ownership. I like that. I like that. All right, y'all. Y'all got it from us, bro. We know what we're talking about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're the pros, right? Hell no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, moving on, yo. Shitting on them, shitting on them, shitting on them. Netflix, bro. We gotta shout out Netflix. Yo, facts. I love what Netflix is doing. Um man, they've been taking old library content, old black library content, um, from different channels and putting them on there and giving them the spotlight. Not just putting it on there and burying it. Um, they've been putting it up there, front and center. Uh, some of the shows that they've had recently or added recently are Moesha, The Parkers, Girlfriends, and One on One was added today. One on One. Which is Arnez. My favorite. <laughs> my boy Flex. Flex Washington. Ooh. Flat out. Flat out. Flat out. <laughs> my boy. Netflix Flat be killing it. Flat <laughs> Netflix be killing it with the content, bro. With the black lately they've been just like you said, they've been killing it with the yeah. nostalgic black content and you, that doesn't happen when there's only white people in the room. Oh, that's why not. I appreciate it. I like it so much because I was watching um, Lovecraft Country, mm. and I was telling someone this earlier. Fire show, by the it, way. It, yeah, that is a fire show. Shout out to everyone that's a part of that. That show is amazing. Um, but one of the things that they cover uh, is the Tulsa riots. Mm. And growing up, I don't know about you guys, but my I myself. No teacher really covered it. No. I think one teacher might have mentioned it briefly. I don't even know. That might be giving them too much credit. Either way, <laughs> I know it wasn't a focal point in my history books. And it's just Lost like, man, our history gets like swept under the rug so many times. Yeah. Like, man, I can't imagine how traumatic that event was and how many uh, people have lived just with that, you know, in their yeah. soul. Right. But it never got, I think, the attention that it deserved. However, granted, these are sitcoms and these are shows. It's still part of black culture. So it's cool to see that, you know, they're bringing it back. You know, these shows are like almost 20 years old. Some of these shows are more than 20 years old, which is crazy to think. But it's been 
decade since they've been on the air or near decade since they've been on the air. So shout out to Netflix, shout out to their content team and strategy team yeah, for absolutely. choosing to shine the light on this. Damn, I've been waiting for one on one to come back. Yo, I've been like YouTubing, like fam. It's not, it wasn't anywhere. I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> Had it locked away. I'm like, yo, what happened to one on one, fam? So it's exciting to finally have that back. Shout out to Netflix. Um, and like I said, yo, it's a use Netflix as as a a benchmark, I guess you could say, for clearly having black people in the rooms to make decisions because we know the black people know this is not this is not a white person or anybody else's idea. Like you just know. It's like a culture thing. I don't know. You just know. So shout out to Netflix, bro. Facts. Any thoughts, Mark? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I thought I was out of the segment. No, no, bro. You in the whole episode, whole show, bro. No, it's love. It's no, love. man, you know, I always appreciate seeing, like you guys said, cultural shows popping up here and there because it's important. I mean, I, I think about the first lawyer I saw on TV was Uncle Phil. So Yo, exactly. Mm. I mean, that mm. stuff. That stuff is huge, right there. Representation like, matters. You think, you think about the episode where you know Will and Carlton got pulled over, and absolutely Carlton yeah. had no yeah. idea what was going on. Will was like, "Hey, man, Carlton, he's gonna tell us to get out the car. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, gonna tell yeah, us to get out yeah. the car." And you know that kind of stuff is serious. I mean, right, especially for for you know black people in the country who may not have that direct connect to say, mm-hmm. "Hey, I have a lawyer in my family. I have an engineer in my family. Right. I know somebody that's doing this." Like. Sometimes TV's all you got, and yeah. hey, that little bit of hope shines shines on a little kid, and next thing you know, boom, that's reality for an actual individual, not an actor. So yeah. that's so true. Representation matters. Mm. I'm glad you brought that. That's a big point. Think of all the dope stuff that they were doing in the show, though. Moesha was journaling, which she is was, dope. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't journal, and that is a form of therapy for a lot of people. True. Flex was a sports reporter, right? He was a sports reporter raising his. Willing to raise his daughter by himself. Come on, um, come on, please. As the mom decided to make sure you point out, he was a yeah. single father so doing it, man. Lex yeah. definitely took on the single father role willingly. Um, which Nikki, I, yo, Nikki from the Parkers went back to school. She went back to school <laughs> with yeah. her daughter, and she wasn't too ashamed. And see, exactly things like this, you know, they humanize, stories, they humanize our people, and just show different stories and different aspects. And like you said, representation matters. So yeah. it's real to somebody, or it can become real, or it yeah. will be real for somebody at some point. So. Yo, shout out to them. And also, shout out to you, Jabari. Man, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Absolutely, you taking bro. the time. Your brothers built you up, and you definitely lived up to the bill, hey, man. man. So, appreciate you coming through tonight. Of course. Anytime. Anytime. Hey, shout out to you, bro. Appreciate, appreciate you, man. I know the podcast. Uh, not the podcast. The listeners got a nice podcast today. <laughs> um, but that's a wrap for today, yo. Anything else? Y'all got yeah. something to say? Thank you, guys, as always. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Hey, much love. Stay up. We'll catch y'all next week. Deuces. Peace.